You are listening to episode 264 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we take a crash course in magic in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we are playing Pandemonium on the PlayStation One, um, dude. We'll get into it, but that was hard. It was it was weird. It reminded me of Crash. That's why I said Crash Course and Magic. Ah, uh, okay. And then you said Magic, and for whatever reason, my mind went like right to Magic: The Gathering. I'm like, because no, that's, that's not where right. your mind lives, John. Yeah, that's. I exactly can already right. see your pickups this week. We all know what's coming. <laughs> you see it in the future all right well before we get into our right. uh, recent pickups and what we're currently playing you can find us on the game uh you can also find us on at game deflators on x at the game deflators on instagram facebook and threads um i think our two or three threads posts on there uh you can also find us on youtube just search up game deflators on there and of course you're listening to a podcast application so go ahead and like subscribe leave a review all of that awesome stuff that comes with listening to us we really appreciate it let us know what your uh you know reactions were this week to the game awards because we're going to get into that after we do our pickups and currently playing damn right all right, well, uh, what we've recently picked up, magic cards, Ryan, magic cards. Uh, <laughs> I I have a number, so I wanted to make a blue-white mill deck. Yeah, um, that's what you, you know. were talking about. Did you get yeah, it all? So, yeah, all the cards. Well, I don't know. I haven't opened up my pack just, but my wife walks over me. She's like, John, she holds up this stack of envelopes. And she's like, what is this? I'm like, it's magic cards. And she's like, this is ridiculous. Like, you have thousands of cards already. I'm like, yeah, but this is for standard. And she's like, what's the difference? She's like, you have all these cards you just bought. I'm like, well, you have legacy, you have modern. She just hands me to packs at that point. <laughs> so I got a good laugh out of that. And she's like, how many decks do you own? I'm like, uh, I don't know, like five. She's like, you play with all of them. Yeah, I actually do. I do play with all of them. I take them to tournaments and I play with them. Um, and then if people want to play against me or, or play with those decks, I have them available to play. So I'm like, yeah, that's just kind of how it rolls. But luckily for standard, I told him like a lot of it's spec buying. Like I'm buying stuff because I anticipate it to go up. And good thing I have for a few cards, uh, like this Mirex card that comes out of New Phyrexia. It's like a land that you can tap and create a one-one. Um, uh, what is it? Toxic Flyer. Um, that went from like I bought them at like sixty cents a piece for foils. And now they're up to like $4 a card for regular. I'm like, nice. Yeah, right. So I'm like, and I got foils of them. So that's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, that's the kind of stuff I do, right? Like if I see something that I feel like down the road could be useful or I see it being used kind of frequently, but not necessarily in a manner that's like in a competitive deck, but still is getting some usability. Um, I go ahead and buy it and I'll buy a playset and I'll hold on to it. And that's just really how I, I kind of manage it. I don't sit there buying like, tons of commons and uncommons like i generally will buy rares that i think are going to work and uh, and that's my spec buying typically um yeah. so Mirix was one of them a while back i liked it and now it's gone up right is it a crazy amount of money no but if i ever want to build something around it i don't have to go out now and spend four or five dollars each card because i've got them for like you know 60 cents a pop a while back yeah have you um i was just talking about this yesterday with my wife but I've been thinking about going through and reorganizing all of my cards. Did you ever finish organizing all your stuff? Like you get all these new cards and stuff in, like, do you actually incorporate them like into a system that you finish doing? Or do you kind of have like the pile of new magic that's kind of older new magic that we just don't touch yet? So um, I do have several piles around me, like, like what you see here, which yeah. is about 150 cards or so. Um, but that's like some of my new stuff I've picked up. I do have like a deck sitting next to me that, oops, uh, I have a deck sitting next to me that actually needs to be like sleeves, but it's mm -hmm. not like it's already set. Um, so I do have a few piles here and there of new stuff, but I do have binders as well. So like, as I get binders, I'll sleeve a playset in each one. So like I try to stick to just a playset, and then anything excess I might pick from boosters down the road. I have another folder that's specifically like extras um, that if I ever want to sell them, I know like, hey, this folder is good to sell. 
because mm -hmm. everything in here is, you know, extra. So most of my stuff, yeah, like any of my, all my rares for the most part outside of like the stuff I haven't gotten to yet in terms of broader organization is in binders, like bulk rares, everything are in binders. Um, and then my commons and uncommons, I never did finish it. I'm still actively in the process thing is holidays have come up. So, you know, Christmas tree sitting there. My wife likes to set the table yeah. and, and get all that nice. So it's like, it's kind of a pain in the ass. You have like, way, up. way more of an endeavor than I have. I mean, I've got like maybe close to 5,000 because I've got a 5,000 card box and then a bunch of like, you know, yeah. pack boxes. Yeah, I have like four or 5,000 count boxes sitting there. Like most of it's organized actually. So of the like... Of the four boxes sitting in there, um, I will say that three and a half boxes are organized out of the four. That's and then I have, good. yeah, it's not bad. Like it's actually all set. It's all you were working hard at it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I have time, I'll, I'll usually do it. Um, it's been a bit cause it's holidays and such. Like I did actually have it out for a while and I was actively getting through and like decluttering them. Um, but like I have a, a two, no, I have a 3000 count box still that I need to go through and like. Now, the good thing about that box is that box in particular is already organized as far as like by set. So now it's a matter of going through and just kind of like deduping with anything I already have in See, the in the pre-organized stuff. Thomas, I think, has it right. I, I think I'm going to go back through and do it alphabetical. It just really? Makes, it just makes more sense than trying to go by set. Well, see, you have a lot less cards than I do. I kind of yeah. have to go by set. Like, I don't have much yeah, of a choice. Yeah, but then you're going to have, like like you said, like, if you're looking to dedupe, you're going to have to go to, like, how many sets had War Elves in it? I'm, I'm not worried about that right now. Like, I'm keeping the play set on each set right now. And then down the road, as I go through things, I'll be like, okay, cool. Because if you, you know, do it alphabetical, I'll... you never have to worry about that problem again. You deal with it one time. You never have to revisit it again. Yeah, I get it. Um, but I have a lot of cards. So if I have to go through alphabetical, it, you'd have to start all the way over and it would take you forever. But it would once take you did it way longer. I think you'd be set for life. No, I do it by set. And, and the main reason is like, yes, could I technically, you know, look through alphabetical? Yeah. But if you think about that, I have to go like, for example, if I wanted something that was like a K right? Like as its first two starting letters, now I got to dig through thousands of A's to get to AK and locate it. And then I might have it like A, B, C, D, you know, like split with the, the pack split thing um, or, you know, the, the dividers. But having to dig through like alphabetical to me is harder than saying, okay, cool. Oh, it's Lanor Elf. Oh, I know I have it in this set. Let me go through into the like 10 cards to start with letter A and find Lanor Elf. So like, I don't know. To me, it's just it feels easier and it feels more natural. Just go through by set. And then yeah. all those sets are alphabetized as well. Um, so it's by color, alphabetiz alphabetizing by color. And then I've got um, the overall like sets listed as well. So I don't know. I mean, teach their own on it. Um, I, I can appreciate the like full blown alphabetical. But to me, it's just harder to go yeah. that route. And I, I know like one of the shops by me, like they do it alphabetical. They don't go by set. Um you know, but that's how they organize from the get go. So it's probably easier for them. Yeah. I've always been a buy set type person. <clears throat> um, so speaking of magic cards, though, so the last card I bought um, was City of Traders, right? And we talked about how, hey, it was a smoking good deal. It was damaged, supposed to be near mint. Mm. I got it. And the second I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, that's fake. Second, I got it. So I contacted TCG, told them, hey, fake card. They said, oh, yep, you're covered by buyer protection so we'll go ahead and send that in now uh, or send you, you an envelope and then you can send it to us to review and whatnot and then you'll get a refund right away so kind of the idea is you know if a card like that is fake they get it they review it if it's real i imagine they send it back to the seller if it's fake the seller gets penalized and i still get my money back regardless if it's real or fake um i did reach out to the seller and he's like oh no i bought that a hundred percent with the knowledge that it was real i'm like well i don't know what to tell you but it's a fake card like it has extra gloss on it. So I knew right away when it came out, I'm like, yeah, that's not the right gloss on a Maybe magic card. Way too shiny. It was just a slight bit too shiny. It's a fantastic fake. I will give them that. Like, it's a great fake. Like, if I took that to a tournament and put a matte finish on it, nobody would know the difference, right? But I'm not going to pay $150 for a fake card. Like, yeah. it's just not going to happen. So 
I of course looked at it. I didn't do the bend test because I'm like, well, if I bend it and damage it, then that's a whole issue, right? I did the light test. And so I don't know if you're familiar with the light test, but mm -hmm. you basically take a magic card and you flip it to where you're looking at the brown side and you flash a light. And then if you flash light, you can see perfectly through one side to the other. Like it's transparent. So you, you should try it one time. Get the flash on your phone, dark room, just put a magic card out, put a flashlight on the other side, and you will see right through. You can see the lettering, you can see the picture, everything goes right through the back, right? Mm. If it's a fake card, you can't see that, or you can, but it's very, very minimal. And a reason for that is they have to use a different adhesive than what's typically used to create the magic cards. So that adhesive blocks any sort yeah. of like transparency from one side of the card to the other. So anybody listening out there, if you don't know about that or you buy high-end cards you've never really thought to check that's something to do um and then also like i said the the gloss on it was wrong i then took a card from the same exact set that i had like this guy i don't know if he was thinking i'm gonna pass this off to a fake or like he didn't know and he sold it thinking it was fine and the pen was damaged um but you know thinking back on it like he was like 70 dollars less than your average heavily played card so if it was near mint and just a slight bit of damage he honestly probably could have gone like five, 10 bucks less and people would have bought it. So he put it super low to try and get rid of it. Yeah. Thinking that nobody would notice, I feel. So either way, I told him like, hey, I don't think it's intentional. Um, so I'm not going to leave a negative review, but it's going to TCG and they're going to determine from there. And he said, oh, I'm interested to see what they say. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's fine. And one other thing with that gloss is as I was putting two cards of the same set, same quality, by the way, like a near mint copy of the same card. Um, and I, I went ahead and like flashed them a little bit in my kitchen light. One of them, the glare is just like obvious coming off of that. So pretty sure like 99.98% sure that it's a fake. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then pickups. Uh, I did have a video game pickup <clears throat> when I was in Texas. So I ended up picking up Condemned to Bloodshot when I was there. Uh, it is a horror game on the PS3 that I've wanted to pick up for a while. And I happened to be in a shop um, that was in the area um, in a mall. There were like two game shops, actually. Both of them like they were both like a bookman's, basically, except one of them was only video games. And the other one was like a bookman's. And so they happened to have a number of PS3 games as I was digging through. A lot of prices were bad, but this one was I think I paid 12 bucks for like a great complete in box copy, like in near mint condition. And, um, you know, overall, I think the game sells for usually about 16 to $17 with shipping and in tax, you're looking at close to 20 bucks. I end up getting it for like $13 at the end of the day. So, I mean, almost a 50% savings to what I would pay online for the same game. So nice. they end up working out. I was happy. Keeping your eyes open. Yeah. I mean, dude, it was a pretty cool game to begin with. And I was hoping they had the, uh, cause I don't think condemned one came out on PlayStation three. I think it only came out on Xbox 360. So I was keeping an eye out, uh, for, number one and they had it for like 10 bucks but it was a platinum hits so i declined mm -hmm. yeah all right and then uh as far as what i'm currently playing it was a short week for me gaming wise i didn't even play magic arena as much i've played like maybe a few rounds in the car um i did however play some mario wonder last night and so my wife and i got through uh probably about eight levels or so last night that we were playing and we're now on Let's see, we've got three worlds left. We're in like the sand world right in our desert world. Um, I think it's like sun dried desert or something. I don't remember the name. Um, but, you know, kind of going back to my initial impressions of the game and what we've discussed, you know, I would say that I'm still kind of holding my ground on that, that there's just a lot going on at this game. It is fun. Like I, I am enjoying it, but there is a lot going on. So like, is it top of my Mario games list? No, not at all. Is it worth playing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's just so much with those, like so many unnecessary things with the badges, but at least there are like badge challenges, which are kind of cool. So it kind of helps me at the whole like difficulty and platforming aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas most of the levels are just not very hard at all. So the main game, I'll split up into multiple areas. The main game is pretty easy. When you start doing the challenges, there's a little bit of a difficulty spike in the challenges. And then obviously the special world that they have is the hardest difficulty you can get. So in terms of, you know, playability for multiple age groups and, you know, uh, gamers of different experience levels, 
it's a pretty good game in that it does offer you that like kid friendly. Hey, you can blaze through this. Have fun if your kids are not going to get frustrated to your moderate. Okay. Hey, there's some challenges here. I can enjoy them. And it's your more experienced gamer of, okay, cool. Like these are like five star difficulty levels that I can get through and have some fun as an experienced platformer. So it does have a little bit of everything for everyone, but I do think it has a bit much on like the grand scheme of the, of the game. Mm -hmm. All right. That's it for me. All right. Well, this week I checked out a couple of other things on Game Pass. I was so happy with Cocoon a few weeks ago, so I decided to check out a couple other things that came out this year. Uh, I did download Rollerdrome and Sea of Stars. Rollerdrome is pretty cool. It's like Tony Hawk meets uh, Running Man. It's a game show where contestants are on roller skates and they have guns and they have to survive and take down all of the operators that are like in the arena playing for like the house or the game. So as you skate around, uh, you don't ever really like fall or wipe out or anything, but you do... Uh, grinds and jumps and grabs and flips to restore your ammo. So as you go up off a ramp, you, you know, do a heel grab and then like spin around and you always basically land well. Like you don't, it's not really something you have to think about as much because you're just doing tricks to get some combo score and then also reload so that you can continue to take out the enemies quickly but it becomes this like very stylish dance of you know movement and combat and it, it was pretty fun i didn't make it that far um until i kind of tried something else but it was uh it was pretty interesting and it's a game that i could definitely see spending some more time with in the future and it's got a very cool art style too um and then the other game is sea of stars and john this is like the highest game recommendation for you. This is like the best like RPG that I've sat down and played in a long, long time. It is on my list. I'm waiting for a physical copy. Oh, they they said they're doing physical copies, so I'm waiting for that specifically. The second it's announced, I'm pre-ordering. Yeah, it's so good. Like... I have not been able to find a free moment that I didn't want to just be playing that game since I started it earlier this week. Um, the characters and the writing is so great. I think it's um, it's got a pretty you know fresh, fun take on some classic characters and kind of a, a classic save the world story. Um, in the beginning, you choose one of either of the main characters. It doesn't really matter who. Like, It doesn't change anything, I don't think. It's just whichever one is your avatar that you're controlling. And then your party like runs around and follows you. It's very like um, Secret of Mana you know, kind of stuff. Um, the combat is fun and engaging. It's got like those timed hit systems like in all the fun Mario RPGs. Um, it has tons of interesting mechanics where there are these relics that you collect that basically toggle on difficulty options for you so you know getting uh 10 back at the store or 10 off at the store or making it so 30 percent of your time your character has a chance to automatically block if you miss the timed block so just to give you a little bit of an extra edge or ones that make it so after every combat, you heal 100% back up to full so that you can just kind of get through the story better. Um, there's like each one of those are a different thing that you can purchase or find in the world and then use that or not use it, whatever you want to do just to kind of modify your playthrough. So I've been kind of turning some of them on and off just to tweak it a little bit because at first i thought it was a little hard like some of the timed hits are really hard to pull off but the spells are interesting and the characters are really um i don't know they're just they're characters that i keep wanting to spend more time with and see where their story's going because i find them really compelling and i think a lot of that has to do with just the way they're written and the the friendship that they kind of have uh, the art is incredible um, I know that this is tied in 
with um, the messenger and that game's universe. I think they're in like the same time continuance, just at different times. And I love that game when it came out. So this is, is really cool. And after I finish it, I'll probably go back and play that. But um, that's been this week. And yes, I am aware that Pikmin needs to be finished, but Tw- I mean, 22 days, Ryan, 22. Yeah, come on where would the tension be like how fun would it be if i actually finished it like super early this year this has all been planned i mean super early would have been like eight months ago <laughs> to be honest i mean it's an eight hour game i think you just held off on purpose but um yeah i mean it's you tradition, are john it's tradition it, that's true yeah it's like christmas tradition right so our last episode of a year is actually on the 31st this year oh is it really uh, yeah Nice. It's actually New Year's Eve on that day. So I I don't know. Maybe everyone will get a fresh take on <laughs> on. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time you failed on a game. I mean, to be honest, no, like it you did, would not be. <clears throat> yeah, you, you have failed. just completely failed before. Yeah, there was a persona here. But but that said, uh, I think you can finish it. I got faith in you here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think you'll knock it out for sure. You know, it's funny, like every time we bring it up, I always forget right off the bat, like what I played because it's been so long since I finished my game. Cardia. So I, yeah, Cardia, I know. But like I have to I have to think about it and be like, what the hell did I play again? Oh, yeah, that's right. Every single week that we talk about it. So, yeah. oh, I have um, I have a one piece <clears throat> update, John. Where are you at? So um, one piece update spoilers for anybody who is. Not as far in One Piece as I am now. I am at like, I'm in the 950s. They oh. are uh, getting together all of the aspects so that they can go on their invasion plan. Um, Kaido and Mom just formed their union after being reunited. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoro just inherited the. Uh, what was it? The Enma sword yeah. mm-hmm. passed down from the the what was the king's name? I can't remember the emperor's name. I can't remember. I don't remember. It's yeah. been a while. So he just got that and like clean cut off like the whole edge of the cliff. Yep. So that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, Luffy's doing his thing, training, trying to get stronger. Where's Luffy at right now? Can you remind me? Uh, Luffy is in the prison. Okay, that's right. I love the prison. Yeah. I I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, everybody's already freed and everything. And they are just kind of like starting to recruit people. And he's training, trying to get stronger so he can fight Kaido. Yeah, you're reading it. So you're not an anime. But yeah, I was going to say, did you get the Queen's song and dance? But like, you wouldn't have experienced that by reading it, technically. I look some things up just to see them. So I did see that. <laughs> so goofy, dude. <laughs> there's a lot of times where I'm like, I'm looking up characters' voices so that I can kind of have them appropriate. I highly recommend when you get into the whole invasion piece, like once you read it. Mm-hmm definitely watch the fights yeah like it's worth watching the fights like the art style is fantastic for the anime mm-hmm. so I, I really enjoyed it but that's good i uh i need to catch up on last week's episode um and then i gotta get back to reading but i'm i've been keeping up with the anime as of late versus reading and honestly i might keep doing that um unless you get to a certain part in the manga and you're like hey i'm just finished wano then i'll be like okay cool like i'll start reading again just so we can talk about a little more frequently yeah um but yeah outside of that like i've been keeping up with the anime nice nice good stuff um all right well let's talk game awards aftermath and announcements so uh la- not last episode but the week the episode before that we predicted or kind of put in put in our predictions for who is going to win certain categories. So figured let's do that now. And then let's talk about um, the overall awards, what your thoughts were, because I have yet to actually watch it outside of trailers and looking at who won. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you're going to be marking down uh, which ones we got. We'll just start from the top of the list here. Uh, so game of the year, um, you said Legend of Zelda. I said Baldur's Gate 3. I got that one correct. Uh, best game direction. So this is not exactly the best list that I am looking at right now because it is not showing. 
game direction for some strange reason on this list. Let me do a Google search on here and just put in game direction. And I should pop up right away. All right, studio and best game direction. Um, let's see. I said Marvel Spider-Man. You said Legend of Zelda. We were both wrong. Um, we have best adaptation. I know that one by heart. We both said Last of Us. Last of Us was the winner on that. Uh, there is best narrative. So let me go ahead and put in uh, narrative on here. Um, let's see. We both said, well, I said Spider-Man. You said Baldur's Gate. Alan Wake actually won that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, there is art direction is the next one here. Let me just put in the search. I don't know, dude, for whatever reason, it's not it like Alan Wake 2 won. Alan Wake 2 won. So I said Legend of Zelda. You said Hi-Fi Rush. So we both got that wrong. Uh, best score and music. I said Final Fantasy 16. You said Hi-Fi Rush. And the winner was Final Fantasy 16. Okay. All right. Best audio design. Do you have that one up? Yep, Hi-Fi right. Rush. Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, we both said Hi-Fi Rush. Best performance. Uh, I didn't actually vote on this, but you said Ben Starr of Final Fantasy 16. Uh, innovation and accessibility, we both did not answer. You did say Marvel Spider-Man. Ended up being Forza, from my understanding. Uh, games for impact. You said Goodbye Volcano. I said Chia. I believe I got that one. Mm-hmm. Best ongoing game. We actually both guessed Final Fantasy 14 and in a surprise, actually, I know that one was Cyberpunk. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Uh, best community support. Uh, we both said Final Fantasy. Which one got that? Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate. Best independent game. You said Cocoon. I said Sea of Stars. Sea of Stars won that if one. If I had played it at the time, I would have said that. <laughs> Best indie debut. We both said Dredge. Which one got it? Cocoon. Cocoon got it. Yeah, I do see that on the list here. Uh, best mobile game. We both said Honkai Star Rail. I believe that one did win. It was. Best VR game. You actually got this. You said Resident Evil. I said Gran Turismo. Best action game. Uh, so I, I think when we talked about it, I'm like, I know it's going to be Armor Core, but I'm going to say Hi-Fi Rush. And you got Armor Core. I got Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, so Armor Core ended up winning that one. Yeah. Best action adventure game. We both said Legend of Zelda. Which one won that one? Legend of Zelda. There we go. Best RPG. We both said Baldur's Gate. Who won that? Uh, Yep, Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate. Gate. All right. Best fighting game. You said Street Fighter. I said Mortal Kombat. I know that Street Fighter won that one. I said Street Fighter, you said? You said Street Fighter, yep. Oh, man, I'm catching up. Ryan's keeping tabs. Uh, Best family game. We both said Mario Wonder. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Best strategy and sim game. This one actually caught me by surprise. Um, I said Advance Wars. You said Fire Emblem. Pikmin 4. Yeah. One I was game. surprised yeah. by that. Yeah. Um, you see, you shouldn't have put this in, Ryan. Looking at hindsight on this one. Best sports racing game. I said Forza. You said Hot Wheels. It was Forza. It was Forza. Uh, best multiplayer. Uh, we both said Boulder's Gate 3. And I think that one. I don't. It's. It's not folded on this list. Is it? It's no. Not. All right. Let me type in multiplayer on my list. It's always difficult whenever we're like remote for things like this. Yeah. Uh, multiplayer game was Baldur's Gate 3. On okay. That. And so who said that? We both got that one. We both got that one. Yep. Most anticipated game. I said Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. You said Hades 2. Uh, it was Final Fantasy 7, if I recall. So and that's then, one for you. Yep. And then that's it. That's the list. What is the final tally as far right. as. So you were way ahead in the beginning and then I started to pull back up. But then you you got me in the end. You were 13 and I was 10. Very nice. That's pretty good, though. That's not bad, actually. That's yeah. pretty decent. Yeah. Out of all the we awards. Know what we think people are going to vote for. Yeah, I think I think we did a pretty good job this year. Not too bad. All right. That's the first time we've done that, too. So I think I, I like that. That was fun to kind of just a little competition there for bragging rights to see who who could guess the most. Well, uh, 
let's take yeah. a look at the trailers now because there was a lot of good things or i guess i'll talk about the show a little bit and then we can kind of focus yeah, on yeah. so i did watch uh somebody doing a stream covering it while i was doing some other things so i mean i wasn't like locked down with my popcorn watching the whole time but um i think that the criticism that has been kind of coming out is fair while nobody really got like played off the stage it was definitely you know they were pushing against <laughs> what happened last year and trying to keep things moving along and, and i feel like it really pushes it a little bit too much where he's just reading off like five awards in a row and nobody gets up and gets an award and gives a speech or anything. It's like you're really giving some of these a lot more attention than others. And that's not really what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about all of the winners, not just the ones that, you know, you really expect to see. So I think that they definitely need to keep trying to take that balance and work on it. Like some of the awards they do during like the pre-show. They have like a half hour pre-show or something before the show even starts where they go through and they do like the content creator ones or the like ones for um, esports, and they do some like lesser announcements for, you know, things that aren't going to be as head grabbing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've, <laughs> they've done it 10 times, I guess. Just keep keep working at it. You'll get it right one day, Jeff. Yeah, my my issue with that show is it's turned into more of just trailers is what it's kind of turned into. And we get so much of that throughout the course of a year. Now, I get it, right? Like, it's a big stage. All eyes are on it for the Game Awards. Like, we're expecting these reveals and trailers. But I just counted off of Polygon's list. There's 49 trailers. Oh, yeah. That, that shows, what, two and a half hours long? Oh, yeah. I mean, think, I think the whole thing wound up being like three if you include the pre-show. Okay, so take out the pre-show, right? And, well, I guess no, include the pre-show. So three hours, right? 49 trailers on an average of, we'll say, about two minutes a trailer when you factor in the fact that they have to talk about it first and like, oh, here's a grand reveal and oh, X-Studio is going to show off, blah, 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 right? When you consider all of that, 49 trailers, 100 minutes, that's a little over half of the show is just trailers, that's yeah. ridiculous, man. Like that's way too many trailers for a show. And like, I get the hype and the excitement around it, but then things get lost too, right? By having those trailers. So a lot of it's probably, you know, these studios are, oh, we'll pay you X amount of money to go ahead and put our trailer up. And they're like, okay, yeah, we want to make this show the biggest and best it can look. And by just throwing a trailer in there, we're going to get X amount of money for advertising it, right? Or showing it off. I totally get why they do it. But at the same time, it's a bit much. You know, there's other things that they can do to enhance the show and make it better. Uh, and I'm just not seeing that each year. It just it's more and more trailers. Like, are they going to break 49 trailers next year? Yeah. You know, like that's a legitimate question. Like, are we going to see more than we did this prior year? Or do they increase the cost, for example, of showing a trailer on the show, reduce the number of trailers to put more focus on the awards themselves and the people that are on stage and those that are deserving of this show? Uh, so I honestly, I could deal with like, you know, if they doubled the cost of like a sponsorship or showing the trailer on the show and then, you know, only showed 25, right. Mm -hmm. To keep it the same. Like I, I could see that being a little more viable in my opinion than three hours, half of it being trailers. <clears throat> that yeah. said, there were some good trailers. Yeah, there were some really good trailers. So, um, some of the top ones for me. I never played uh, Brothers Tale of Two Sons, but, you know, that studio has made some other really good games. We both really liked um, uh, Takes Two. Mm -hmm. um, I yeah. think that that'll be really cool, and it looks really good. That um, is, that's on, that's been on my list for a long time. I think I own it, actually. I gotta mm -hmm. double check, but uh, that's a game I've been wanting to play for a long time, so if I don't own it, this is definitely something I will be picking up down the road. Um, if I do, then I probably won't right away. I might down the road, but uh, I will definitely want to play this for sure. Yeah. Um, some other ones. I didn't see the Valhalla trailer. I missed that one. I saw it and it's supposed to be free DLC. That's being released on December 12th. So it'll be this coming Tuesday. And 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't played it yet, but you know, when I do play God of War, the newest one, that is something that I will check out. Yeah, yeah, it's Senua's Saga, but Hell still yeah. no date announcement. Ah, uh, dude, take take your time. I don't have an Xbox. I don't have Game Pass. Take your time when it's out. I'm excited. I want to play that game. Um, let's see here. Dave the Diver and Dredge. Yeah, that's an interesting crossover since they were both just in that category against each other. And Dave the Diver had that kind of controversy about making it in as an indie. Yeah, um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's two games I've actually wanted to play. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, seeing a nice little collaboration there, it's kind of cool. Yeah, the uh, the new Square Enix Visions of Mana yes. looks really good. I, I think good. That, that will be a very cool game um you know sony rides of the ronin that looked really cool too that did look really cool i'm excited about that one usual jane actually caught my attention Mm -hmm. um i do like you know i'm not a big fan of like narrative folk like you know narrative based games like story you know what i'm talking about like storybooks whatever um but this is more third person action combat with story incorporated so and the art style is interesting so it's definitely definitely caught my eye yeah um kojima's new project we got a first teaser look at uh he brought uh jordan peele on stage with him as well to talk a little bit about it so i mean wow what a what a trailer what a first look at whatever that's gonna be yeah um who knows i mean it could be his worst project yet i mean we never know it's kojima he does some weird crap um i do wonder though is it gonna remain an Xbox exclusive or is this timed exclusivity? Well, it's supposed to be using the power of Xbox cloud. So I don't think it will be something that, that will be on other platforms because I think it's built around their cloud. Gotcha. Well, whenever I get game pass on PC, I'll play it there. Um, Exodus was a game that actually caught my attention. So it's from uh, X Bioware devs. So it kind of had that mass effect vibe going for it. So it looked pretty cool. Uh, uh Jurassic Park Survival that I, is that surprised such me. a great take for a Jurassic Park game because I feel like they're all like park manager games and Lego games like this is such a great idea like just being some other scientist on that night and you got to try to escape and you know we've got the technology to make this look so cool and go that whole like alien isolation but on you know a whole island full of dinosaurs oh that sounds like it's gonna be such a good time yeah i'm excited for that and hopefully the reviews are good uh, another quick one was no rest for the wicked so the team behind ori create a hack and slash game it looks pretty pretty good mm. um sega that the was actually sega pretty bundle cool. thing yeah so, so five games coming from sega they got crazy taxi shinobi Streets of Rage, um, Jet Set Radio, and Jet Golden Axe. And what was the other one? Golden Axe. Golden Axe. That one's kind of forgettable. Like, well, yeah, and they had that game on PS3 that like not many people liked. Apparently, I still need, we need to play that one day. Okay, that's we should do that. Like Golden Axe Sega versus Golden Axe on PS3. Uh, let's see. Just going through Sufficient's Mining of Rise of Ronin. We got a new look again at Black Myth Wukong, and every time I see that game, it looks so much better than I even remember. Like, that game has me so hyped to play it when it comes out. I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah, that is a game that has been on my list for a very long time. I I remember seeing, like, initial video footage of, like... Like, 2017 or something? I don't remember, but it's been a while since I've seen that footage. I was like, man, this looks like it's going to be really good. And it's it's nice to have seen it progressed. Um, let's see. The other one was the first Berserker. Yeah, uh, that has a really cool art style. Yeah, I like that. I'm excited that's a for part it. of some, I think, larger game series. And that's kind of like an offshoot of it. Not sure, but it looks good. So it's on my list. Uh, let's see. I'm just going through. Um I think is that about it? Oh, um oh, Blade. Like you know, I'm not a big fan of Blade, so I don't know if I'm gonna like the game, but I, I will keep my eye on it depending on reviews. Mm. Uh Light No Fire. 
Yes, um, that was the other really big one. That looks really cool. That and... is so interesting to see, like, all right, open world, but, like, actual open world, like, a whole world. And, I mean, it's by the same studio that brought you No Man's Sky, and they were able to bring you, you know, a whole universe. It took them 10 years to do it the way that they had originally envisioned, but, I mean, I think it's worth it. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, those are the ones for me that really kind of caught my attention. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of trailers. So there's 49 here. Oh, um, Monster Hunter Wilds. That looks amazing. And Monster Hunter World was so good and really is the game that pulled me into the Monster Hunter franchise. I think this one is going to be so insane. You know, I I haven't really I like Monster Hunter, but it's not a game that's like been my go to for many years. Uh but yeah, I mean, it caught my attention. It's definitely something that I might be interested in in playing a little bit of. I don't know if I'd buy it yet, but but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that that's what caught my attention. Um, you know, there's a ton of great trailers out that are, you know, on Polygon actually has all of them, like everything that's been listed as far as like, you know, the Final Fantasy theme song being released. They've got you know, DLC like Apex Legends and Final Fantasy crossover, Skull and Bones release date, all of that good stuff. So definitely check that out. And um, yeah, let us know what you think. What are you excited about? All righty. So this week we are going to be taking a look. uh, New life being given to some of our favorite ghouls. Uh, The GTA 6 trailer came out (laughs) and broke the internet. uh, And it brought back some of Florida's greatest hits. And lastly, Sony has Bungie on a tight leash. Unless they can bounce back strong, uh, we may be seeing some big changes there. So the first one here is Monster in My Pocket, a live action series in the works at Westbrook (laughs) Studios and Alter Rock Pictures. Uh, And this was Deadline.com. Peter White. So I know you're excited. Like That's the only reason I pulled this because... I've got this weird fascination for the monster in my pocket game. I, I don't get like we played it that one time and you're like, man, I really like this. And now yeah. we, we've played it twice on the podcast. And now you're like, yeah, live action show. And I um, want it to be in the best adaptations category the year that has come out. This is fantastic how it just kind of keeps rolling. Like, And what's great is that you you're into like collecting tiny things. So yeah. and I don't have any monster in my pockets. I wonder if they're expensive. Well, I mean, there's a whole new show, right? This is going to be coming out that they're doing. So, like, oh, a new, new adaptation. That means new merch. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, dude, so. I want an HD remake of the NES title. Monster <laughs> in My Pocket. Classic. I, just straight up remake. Like, just straight out. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not as excited as you are on this, but I do think it's pretty cool to see, like, they call it, like, the final, like, toy adaptation is what they're saying mm. uh, in this article. So like there's been tons of adaptations of like old toys and so, like my little pony and all those types of things right over the year or over the years. And uh, it's like the last thing to like get its own show. Apparently, like I'm sure there's more that are out there, but in terms of like well-known properties, this is like one of the last ones apparently. So it's pretty cool. Like to kind of see this, you know, happening. Yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> I just put it in there mostly as a joke, but I am genuinely excited to see whatever it turns into. Uh, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to the next article, then uh, the infamous Florida Joker who believes GTA six trailer parodies him now wants one to two million from Rockstar Games. And this is a uh, Kane. Is it? Yeah. Con Saren at Games Radar. So. I mean, John, as- you kick it off. As our resident uh, reformed former Florida man, I want <laughs> your Florida man. <laughs> I want your on the ground opinion. Uh, is this guy here? So basically, the Florida Joker. Um, what's his actual name here? Actual I, name. I, yeah, I just this one made Lawrence me laugh when Sullivan. I saw it. Yeah, uh, he was featured a long time ago in, you know, a mugshot or something in Florida. He's got face tattoos and he had weird hair. John, as a Florida person yourself, does, is this guy the Florida guy with face tattoos and colored hair? Or is that a more normal occurrence in Florida than one would expect? 
Well, so face tattoos should never be a normal occurrence. Um, I, I still don't understand why people do that. Uh, but I have seen face tattoos in Arizona. I will say that. And yes, I've seen face tattoos all over in Florida. Uh, now, that said, <clears throat> I kind of agree with him and I kind of don't. Right. So is it his likeness and image? I think absolutely. It's his likeness and image. The way that it's been pulled. However, you're talking public documentation of a court, you know, court video. So it's all out the window at that point. Like you got yourself in some shit. It's one thing if like Rockstar took a picture off his Facebook and said, hey, that guy looks like a Florida guy. Like we should totally put him in the game. And it's different from when you were legit, ah, legitimately like on some sort of televised court broadcast and you're on the news and all like that's public now at that point. So yes and no, the way that it's being depicted. Yeah, it's him. You could Did technically he go say after Jared Leto. I mean, I don't think it looks like Jared Leto, but, but like, I mean, I, like uh, there's just like there's no way you don't own having face tattoos and colored hair. Other people no. can have face tattoos and colored hair. And no, exactly. Florida. I'm sure there's a bunch of them. It is based off his likeness. I will give him that, you know, based on a but scenario. But his is based off of somebody else's. He's not the first guy who came up with that shit. That's true. That's true. But it's it's the whole scene. It's like it's the court. It's his face. Like it's it's obviously what they're depicting there. And they've done that with a number oh, of things yeah, in the this side by side video is nuts. You can yeah. go through. They've got some great <clears throat> side by side videos showing how all of the clips are pulled almost like verbatim from other social media. Yeah. So like it's they definitely pulled the guy's likeness like it's there's no denying that the lady but, with the hammers. <clears throat> Dude, Florida's got some weird shit going. Are like you glad I'll, to be out of there, John. I, there's days that I miss the news and then other days I recognize I can watch Florida news from the comfort of my home in Arizona. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's a, a huge difference there. Um, but I will say, like, it is obviously his likeness. There are other things where likeness is being used. The legality aspect of that, I'm no lawyer, but I'm pretty sure once it hits social media, once it's over some sort of court TV broadcast, like it's out the window. I don't think there's anything you can do at that point because it's it's public at that end. Um, so I would think it's public domain and, and you're kind of screwed. But like I said, I'm not a lawyer. So South Park has done way worse. Yeah, exactly. You like you think stop about South it. Park, there's no way you could stop GTA. Yeah, exa like exactly. So like South Park does far worse. Like South Park uses names like of people and gets away with it. So like this dude thinks like, oh, they took my my picture. I'm going to, you know, get a million or two million dollars. Like they say that he hasn't opened up any sort of like lawsuit and likely yeah. because he's been advised not to, but it wouldn't be worth it. Um, but you never know. It could open up a whole can of worms. On he doesn't want more footage like of him in court. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I don't think he, he shouldn't want any more. Um, but yeah, that's it on that one. Uh, I, I think it's by the way, though, the GTA six trailer. Oh, I'm excited, dude. Yeah, like, I have not been excited for a GTA game before. This is covering. It's not just like the Miami area and Vice City and all mm -hmm. of that. This is all of Florida, apparently. Like they're doing and a whole Bermuda Triangle. They're supposed to be doing a whole flipping state. So I'm stoked to see what they do here. The only thing I'm not stoked about is a rumored price tag of one hundred and fifty dollars for what? the game. You didn't see that? No. So if you if you recall, I, I don't know if we talked about on the podcast, but there was comments made by Rockstar that said consumers should pay based on the amount of hours or content that is in a game. Right. So if you have more content in the game, you should pay more money. Right. Versus a flat seventy dollars. Well, there's apparently leaked documentation out there from like internally internal discussions in Rockstar saying like price tags. And so, you know, and somebody shoot me down if I'm wrong here. This is just what I read the other day. Uh, so maybe that was a rumor of a rumor and I'm, I'm wrong. But apparently $150 to $80 has been toted around as a possible like MSRP for this game. Yeah, I mean, you know what? If anybody could do it, Rockstar could. And I mean, if they could do it, they would basically just double the money that they would anticipate making. Like if they sold more copies of gta 5 than anything that has ever been sold and you throw 
you know, an extra 70 bucks on top of that price tag. I mean, you double your money. Yeah. Because everybody's still going to buy it. Well, not everybody. I mean, that's a lot to be throwing around 150 bucks. Now, if they do that and then incorporate microtransactions, that's messed up. But if they, oh, if they, they go ahead. Yeah, of course they would. So like, but I mean, they basically developed two games worth of game at minimum with this. So, I mean, I guess in their mind, they might as well sell it for two games worth of value. We'll see what happens. I can tell you if it's 150 bucks, I'm not buying it day one. No, I'm going to hold. I'm yeah, holding not for sure. Day one, but yeah. I mean, God, the I'll, I'll wait for that content. $70 discount. Oh, yeah, it's tons of content. So I'm excited about that game, but um, more on that later. Well, not later in this episode, more on that later <laughs> in future episodes. Uh, so uh, last thing here is Sony is reportedly going to take over Bungie if it doesn't meet financial targets. And this is James Batchelor at Game Industry Biz. So, you know, I looked at the overall report here and, and kind of what they talk about. And they said that when, you know, when Bungie was acquired, but no exact details are in place. But according to certain sources, they were told that there's a split board right with Bungie and Sony and it is contingent on Bungie meeting certain financial goals that they fall short of meeting certain thresholds um you know set by Sony Sony is allowed to dissolve the existing board and take full control of the company yeah so i don't see how that benefits sony to be honest because then you're admitting a failed acquisition at that point i don't know that that's something that they would want to do um but you know they did have some recent layoffs and um, they have cut a number of things from their budget. So they laid off a hundred people, which apparently was not for, for, by Sony. This is actually by, Dun uh, by Dungy, by Bungie execs. They're the ones that actually laid off a hundred employees, which has killed morale in the company. But there's multiple employees who have stated that they've implemented cost cuts tied to a studio wide hiring freeze, reduced travel budgets, elimination of holiday bonuses. Um, they're keeping its annual, uh, bungee day virtual instead of doing uh, a whole big thing and then they're delaying its week-long company um, pentathlon event uh, so tons and tons of things are happening there uh, they've also reduced numerous morale events such as cooking and knitting classes uh, from monthly and quarterly or from monthly to quarterly so like they legit have like all of these great things going on in the company to kind of boost that morale and like they're cutting back on everything yeah and a lot of i mean you think about it like they're trying to cu cut costs to be able to meet certain financial goals that have been set by sony so you know and they're already seeing a delay on their expansion of the final shape uh they're putting all of their resources towards this marathon game that's supposed to come out so i'm i don't know like what happens here like what's the the end game here for sony like how I is mean, this positive for them sony's the one if they're the ones who set the expectation I mean, maybe this is just how the business works, you know? They just planned on them eventually having to default in this way, and they're fine with it. I mean, if Bungie was making tons of money and didn't need any additional oversight, they would be fine with that too. But at the end of the day, you know, people are bleeding out of destiny because of choices bungie has made like i'm not saying that it's not like a really compelling game that has a strong following of people but it is really hard to get into as a new player because they've sunset so much content and there's just large portions of the story that are just unavailable to be played through and there's tons of dlc that you have to purchase in order to even get caught up on halfway knowing what's happening so, like, it's just not really a game that's inviting for new players. It's a returning player only game. I mean, I was not a fan of this acquisition when it happened in the first place. You know, $6 billion, I think, is what they paid to get an, you know, just, in my opinion, outdated game, right? It's been out for quite a while. It doesn't have as much of a following as some of the other titles that are out there. And then the development of Marathon, like, unless Marathon's going to be like this gangbusters game that's going to just be blow everybody out of the water was six billion dollars truly well, worth it especially I if you're going to dissolve the board and do all of these other things yeah i think a lot of what they wanted from them was expertise on live service and how to help other live service games that they had in development to be equally successful 
But I mean, just because you had one of the live service games that worked doesn't really make you an expert. And the way that the market has bounced away from that style of game and those games are now being killed off because people are realizing it was just a flash in the pan kind of thing. Like there will probably always be some successful live service games, but it's not going to be what the industry wanted, which was just, all right, how many faucets of money can we install until people, you know, just can't do it anymore? Well, it turns out not that many. Yeah. And, you know, it could be Sony holding out to to say, okay, like all of these live service games are falling out. You know, we're going to delay this a little bit as less things are in the market. Let's throw out this final bit of DLC you know, really amp it up as this next big thing for Destiny and then focus on something like Marathon and our other live service games. But, you know, to your point, like feels like a flash in a pan. Um, it's definitely, in my opinion, so far a wasted six billion dollars. It could have gone towards other things like how how much could six billion dollars have gotten you in terms of other employees without having to buy Destiny and getting that advice on how to develop live service games and have experts at your disposal? Right. Like there's so many other ways they could have gone about it. I think it was more of a reactionary acquisition because Microsoft did whatever they did. Oh, let's get Bungie because Bungie's tied to the Halo name. So it gets a little bit of that limelight on Sony. I, I don't think it was worth it long term. But to go back to me not being a lawyer, I'm also not a video game executive. Yeah. So there could be something tied there that's greater than what we're talking about here. All right. Let's go into our inflation deflation of the week. And this is pandemonium on the PlayStation one. It was developed by toys for Bob. I've, I've never heard of toys for Bob until no, today. Toys but... for Bob is uh, great. They did like the crash remakes and stuff. Oh, I never really paid attention to that. So, okay. Well, toys for Bob kudos uh, published by crystal dynamics. I have heard of crystal dynamics. Uh, I keep messing that up. Dynamics. Uh, it is designed by Paul Reich. The third. I like how you had to put in the third, but I guess it makes sense. And then it was released in October of 1996. It is a platformer with a reception of six to nine out of 10. Yeah, pretty big spread in there. Um, like I said earlier, uh, this game felt kind of crashed to me, but the story of Pandonia, Pandemonium <laughs> is a, it's a weird one. Um, not a whole lot of context, but uh, looking up some of the information on wiki was able to get the name so fargus the jester and nikki the acrobat um they're like new magic students or something and they're messing around with a spell book and she's casting spells of fireworks and he's kind of boasting and taunting her to like you know do you know a bigger spell and he points at one and they summon this giant lizard monster that eats the whole town and now they're off to find the wishing engine so that they can wish everything back to normal and fix their mistake. And uh, it it is like it feels like crash. Like you start up and you have just like, you know, that walk over to the next uh, level and you kind of walk along this path that kind of moves in the same way that I feel like when you're walking along like the island and crash like it feels very similar and like even the jester guy like he has like a spin attack i mean it's more like a cartwheel but it is like a spin attack and the way that everything just um is a little janky and off made this very difficult platformer i feel like nikki has a double jump that the jester doesn't have and the jester has like the spin attack that nikki didn't have yeah, I'm pretty sure is the difference between the two. But other than that, I mean, they control the same. Like, you're not really doing a whole lot other than just, like, trying to manage jumping between, like, trampolines and floating watermelons and on top of flytrap things. And I don't even know what those monster guys were. They were just I don't know. bizarre looking and they made weird sounds. Yeah, they did. They were like, oh. Oh, every time I walked around. Yeah, my wife, I heard her in the background as I was playing and she started like mimicking the sounds. I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Like, I don't have surround sound on. Um, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. It is a, it's a pretty difficult platformer. It does have some jankiness for it. But I think in the spirit of, you know, PS1 platformers, it was actually kind of fun, you know, when it was all said and done. Like, yeah, I did notice some like input lag. I don't know if it's because I'm playing on a 
4k tv or if it's because there's just generally input lag in a game but jumps were a little difficult sometimes yeah. at time uh so yeah your confirmation there definitely sounds like it's input lag in the game um you know the monsters are there's not a ton of monsters and there's not a whole lot of like okay you pick up these coins how far did you make it uh i only got through to the second level on that one you know because wow. i kept i kept dying constantly in the first one so then i ended up putting on a cheat code i was like screw this I'm really put, wow yeah, was, i did better than you this week i made it yeah. to level three well, I also had a toddler running around and making lots of noise. You had your own up. pandemonium. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of had a little more difficulty trying to play uh, in my situation. Um, but, you know, overall, uh, you know, I ended up putting its uh, hard body, I think, is the, uh, the cheat code. And it allows you to just go through with infinite health. Oh, that's just, cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I was able to enjoy the you game. Just blast through it. Yeah, exactly. So like there's not like a lot of open death pits and stuff like it really felt like just kind of like a hold right. And as long as you time your jumps and stuff, you're going to make it. That's really what it kind of came down to. For me, it was like I kept running into like certain creatures, you know, because I was trying to speed through it. I was trying to play through the game. Um, But I will say in, in what I played, I definitely enjoyed it. I think it's one that, you know, if it's short enough, I might be willing to just dive into it, put on the hard body code and dive through and enjoy some platforming for cheat code and, and blaze through the game and, and just have some fun with it. You know, then there's other things like unlimited uh, fire ammo. So you can just like shoot things, you know, so there's a few different cheat codes there. You have the ability to choose your levels. Um, so they do have like a, a level selection cheat. So it's pretty cool. Um, you know, that About second level of like game. the, Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. It should be pretty fun to, to mess with then. Like, like so of infinite health. But like that second level as I was playing through it, the uh, the jumping, it was just a pain in the ass, like having to kill certain enemies, jump through um, with the input lag, you know, going through these like, you know, circling staircase around a giant tower. And if you fell through, then you go back to the next level and all that. It That was a bit of a pain in the ass, but it was fun. I did enjoy yeah. it. I would play it again. Um, I would actually recommend it, you know, if it came down to like, a, you know out of 10 type of thing i would honestly put it as seven or eight as far as platformers are concerned on the ps1 i think it's right there with crash it has that jankiness it's got that difficulty in platforming and for me i, I felt it was actually a lot of fun this is something i would like to see like a remaster remake similar to crash yeah i don't think so i i think that this is a game that i saw a ton of uh the cover probably at like blockbuster or something as a kid and i never rented i'm glad i never did i didn't <laughs> think it was that good i thought it was just kind of like a a knockoff crash platformer i don't even know what came first when did crash come out this came out in 96 I think uh, crash came out after that didn't it i have no idea i'm gonna find out uh also 96 when in 96 uh crash came out in september so literally the month before so yeah they were pulling double duty here. Or yeah, like, so, or, I mean, they yeah. were just very similar along the same timeline in the development of the genre. So maybe that's why they feel similar in certain ways. But, you know, it was um, I'm just not big on this kind of game anyways. And the story, I mean, not that all video game stories from that day and age are great. I mean, Crash doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense either, I guess. But I mean, whatever. <laughs> I this just at think least, that this to me is a better crash. story than crash like crash's sister is like you know her whole situation and you have uh dr nitro nitrous i always forget his name um dr neocortex. n neocortex yeah dr n god why do i always think nitro i don't know because there's so, no crates in the game that's right that's right it's been a while man it's been a while since been i played me some crash so yeah neocortex i don't know how the hell i screwed that up but either way it's got a mild story at best at least yeah. this is like hey we did some stuff and it led to this creature hey, destroying don't... this whole area why don't you cast that spell yeah so i don't i liked it dude i thought it was i thought it was kind of fun it definitely has that quirky vibe going for it and uh i'm here for it yeah yeah so uh let's look at our brass tax so complete in box 2521 that peaked at 3892 in May of 2021. It is trending slightly up uh, based on the complete box price right now. A loose copy will run you 1862 that peaked at 2175 in June of this year. That is trending down. 
Uh, it is not available on digital console. It is available, though, digitally on PC for $6.99. Yeah, from Steam uh, or good old games. There you go. And um, I I already know that you're going to say it's inflated, so I'm just going to ride with you on that. 15 bucks. Really? Would be a reasonable price. I'd go 20 on that. I mean, it's still def- inflated, but... Okay, as long as we go. both agree that it's it's inflated. I think 15 is harsh, dude. Like, this is not, like, a terrible game. Okay, we've played lots of games that would be a good deal for $15, and this is easily I, alongside it. I think considering it's only on digital PC, it has not been re-released on any other consoles. It's not like you can get it on PlayStation You can get it Plus. right now on Steam for $7. Could. And so that's the only other area. To be 20. I think it's 20 but it's still inflated. There's probably just not a lot of them is the issue. Maybe, or it just wasn't a very popular game. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how many copies it sold, but it can't be that high. Yeah. Considering Crash Bandicoot definitely was the, uh, you know, the go-to platformer during that era, at, at least for PlayStation. So, well, has was it released on anything else? Did you see that? Uh, or was it just or was it just PlayStation? I think it was just PlayStation. Pandemonium was released on PlayStation, Sega Saturn, and Windows. Uh, and what's the price on, on Sega Saturn? Sega Saturn? Yeah. We used to do that back in the day. Yeah, but it just... I got confused sometimes and, and did not do it. So let's see. Uh, Sega Saturn, Pandemonium, 30 bucks. Uh, loose, 58.31 complete. Yeah, that sounds about right. Actually, that's that's cheap for the Saturn, if you think about it, considering the cost of certain games on that console. Man, Pandemonium 2 is even more. What was that on? 85 and 4401. 4401 for complete in box on what, PS1? PS, yeah, PS1. Well, sounds like I got to get Pandemonium 2, Ryan, so we can play that. Yeah, yeah Pandemonium 2, double the Pandemonium. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, we're together next week. It'll be the first time we're together in like three episodes. So it should be fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will try to figure out a game that we can both play and we will go from there. Uh, But this has been episode 264 of Game Flaters podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.